Hello, and welcome back to the Athletics Baseball Podcast with your host, Taylor. Today, we've got some breaking news. Just on Wednesday, the A's signed a deal with a Japanese baseball player, a Japanese pitcher by the name of Shintaro Fujinami. And we're going to be talking about that today and what that means for my projected starting rotation guess for 2023, which, unfortunately, I was one or two days too quick to post that one. If I had waited just a little bit, I could have revised it before I actually made it, so this is uh, this is going to change some things, and now it's no longer 11 interesting starting pitching candidates for the A's for 2023. It's 12. And maybe a lot more of those starting pitcher prospects that the A's are looking at, maybe a lot more of them are going to be having to use their options this year and maybe just live most of the year in the minor leagues unless the A's get a real quick turnaround on some of these starting pitchers that they have signed as well as some of the ones they already have. So it's very interesting. Before I get into Shintaro Fujinami, I just want to throw out a quick reminder. Tell your friends about the podcast. Follow or subscribe to the podcast. Leave it a rating and a review. And check out our Instagram as well. That's athletics underscore baseball underscore podcast on Instagram. And thanks for coming back and listening to another episode, episode 9 of hopefully many, many more. So, why don't we jump right into Shintaro Fujinami? He, uh, I've been doing some reading on him, and it's very interesting. He was, well, first I'll tell you that he played up until now for a Japanese baseball team called the Hanshin Tigers. And he started playing for them really young. He is 29 years old right now. He's a right-handed pitcher, and uh, he's coming to the A's to be a starting pitcher. He throws and bats right, and he started playing for the Japanese baseball club, the Hanshin Tigers, in 2013 as a 19-year-old and had a great year. Came in starting games for them right away, and his first three years were great. His fourth, his fourth year, his first four years were great. He is six foot six. He's listed. Um, MLB reports him as being listed at six foot six, one eighty, and that must have been what he was listed at when he was younger because the Hanshin Tigers list him as six foot six, two twenty. So he's put on good weight. You want a starting pitcher who is a little bigger, not just taller, but a little bit more bulk to be able to have the physical strength and endurance to go through long outings. He this is really interesting. He was 
in the same draft class, I believe, as Shohei Otani. And he was more highly regarded than Otani. He he was looked at huge in Japan. He he was drafted in the first round, lots of expectations, and with it, lots of pressure, I think, too. He started out doing great, and it pretty much seems like he hit a couple of, of stumbles, which are normal in baseball, and the pressure that came down on him so hard, I think, mentally, he had trouble handling it. Now, he's signed a one-year deal with the Oakland A's. Uh, I don't think the financial aspect of that has been released yet. I couldn't find anything, but my guess is between one and three million dollars. And that shouldn't... he shouldn't have the same problem with the A's as what he was having before. The expectations are rock bottom. Not necessarily for him, but for the team. Uh, There's not going to be as much pressure on him to succeed because the A's don't have as much at stake, at least as far as most people can tell right now for 2023. He said, interestingly, one time when he had been having trouble, he pitched against a team that I think, I'm, I'm going to assume there were less fans there than he was used to. It was at not his home stadium, so he, it was an away game for him. And in an interview, he actually remarked on how comfortable it was to pitch in front of that team's fans. So maybe the team that he was playing for, the Tigers, maybe their fans are a little bit uh, to give you a major league comparison, maybe they're a little bit like Yankees fans or, or Phillies fans. Maybe they're, maybe they're like fans from a team over here that are a little bit tougher on their own players, where, as I'm sure that many of you listeners, mostly probably being A's fans, would agree, A's fans are very, very overwhelmingly friendly and encouraging to our own players, even when they're really not doing well. We may say, that guy should, you know, maybe the coach should pull that guy before he gives up any more runs, but in my experience, A's fans are never the type that are going to be hurling insults at our own players during a game. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily what was happening with the Hanshin Tigers, because I don't know, but it does seem like he was having mental issues, mental difficulties with dealing with, maybe, I'm assuming, with the pressure. It doesn't seem like he had any injury issues, which he's had a a long career, nine seasons, in... 10 seasons, actually, in the Japanese Baseball League. So you would expect a normal pitcher in MLB, it's not uncommon to have some sort of injury over that time period. 
you would maybe expect some some drop-offs and and rough patches to be associated with some of those injuries and since he has had no injuries that I could find out about it seems like it must be a mental thing which is too bad for him and his career but it seems like he's turned it around a little bit he put up a uh, I'll, I'll give you a little more background first before getting into the numbers he had four great seasons to start out with when he was 19, 20, 21, 22, and then in 2017 things took a downturn and he posted his first season with more than a 4.0 ERA with more than a 3 his highest up till that point had been 3.53 for a season and in 2017 it was 4.12 and he only started 11 games that season because they started bumping him down to their minor league club basically all the time from that point on and he had 11 games with the big club in 2017, 13 in 2018, only one in 2019 and not because of injury again, they just put him down into their minor league club and then after that they started using him as a reliever. I know back when he was putting up great performances as a starter in like 2015 or so, 2014, 2015, there were some major league clubs that were looking at him like, we need to get this guy over here. When can we get him? Uh, Because the Japanese teams have control for however long if they sign on. And presumably by the time he was eligible to be putting himself on the on the market towards American teams, he had already fallen apart, essentially, as a starter, and people were no longer interested. There had been talk more recently, once, once the Tigers started using him as a reliever more often, there had been talk more recently about Major League teams picking him up as a reliever, because... He has got some stuff. He only throws three pitches, which right off the bat makes me think that he is a great candidate for a reliever. And he throw, his fastest pitch was a fastball at 101 miles an hour. Presumably, if you, if you throw a fastest pitch of 101 miles an hour in a game, then presumably you're frequently throwing 99 and touching 100 from time to time as well. So to have a starting pitcher with that sort of gas is great. And if you throw that fast, you don't need a lot of pitches, which normally a starting pitcher needs a lot of pitches to work deception to get the ball past the batter. And a great example of recently from the A's of a pitcher who was, yes, a reliever, but he was able to get it done with just accuracy and a good a good pitch mix was Sergio Romo, who only topped out his fastball in the 80s. And it was already 38 years old when he pitched for the A's in 2021. And he still put a lot of very, very good performances up for the A's that year. 
and yes, also some rough starts, but or some rough outings in relief, but that's just to simply show what uh, what a good pitch mix a lot of pitches will do to counter the downside of not having a really fast fastball. So yeah, Fujinami, Shintaro Fujinami does not need necessarily more than three pitches, but he wants to start having three pitches and 101 mile an hour, 100 mile an hour fastball makes me think reliever, but he really wants to start, and that's the entire reason that he decided to sign on with the A's, because reportedly many teams were interested in signing him on this year. However, the A's told him, I believe, that with the A's, he can start. So he's got a one-year prove-it deal. He gets to start. That means he's probably on a permanent opening day starting pitching position for the team now. And that the A's will also likely be heavily interested in if he has at least a decent season shopping him around to other teams as a trade candidate. And that obviously is a win-win, a win-win-win, maybe. A win for Fujinami to get a chance to take his destiny into his own hands if he pitches amazingly as a starting pitcher, then the A's get to trade him and receive probably a pretty decent prospect back for not getting rid of anything that we would consider to be our talent and a player who we wouldn't have for more than just this season anyway. So it feels to us then like a free prospect, which we obviously love. And the team that receives him gets the help to try and fight for a postseason spot and the rights to try and sign him to a long-term contract first. If he just absolutely sucks, if he's untenable as as a starter for the A's, maybe he's at that point going to be open to taking a reliever role, which would clear up all sorts of starting rotation spots for all of the young guys that we have, the up-and-comers that we have, and I do think that he's probably more well-suited to being a reliever. But who am I to say? You know, he he took a prove-it deal, and now he gets to prove it. So maybe he can prove it and he will have a great season as starting pitcher and go on to have a good five-year or more career as as a starting pitcher in MLB. Well, I probably talked enough about his background and his mental issues that he's had So I'll get on to his last season that he had in 2022. He came up 
for an emergency start, I think, with the Tigers and had a good outing. He he had several good outings. He still pitched six games in relief or five games in relief, I think, something around there. But he pitched he started ten games and had three complete games out of those ten and posted a three point three eight ERA with 66.2 innings, so 66 innings and two outs in those 16 games. So despite only starting 10 games in 16 games, in 66 innings, he was averaging more than four innings per game that, not that he started, but just that he was in. So those starts were probably, which I don't have the individual data from each game, I could not find it, but those starts were probably six innings or more on average. And a 3.38 ERA is excellent. However, it is Japanese baseball. And I have questions about that. From what I was reading, the with all the expectations of the fans for the Hanshin Tigers. I don't know if their fans are just maybe more extreme than other teams. Apparently, there is... Maybe you'll enjoy this. There's a curse on the Hanshin Tigers because they were celebrating one year, I think after they won their baseball championship title, and fans dressed up as baseball players from the team for that year and jumped into a river but they didn't have anyone dressed up as the first baseman so they took a statue of Colonel Sanders from the front of a KFC nearby as as I understand it and dressed it up as the first baseman and threw it in the river in the celebration and just left it there And uh, apparently the curse is that until he is entirely recovered from the river, they will never win another another title. Uh, I believe that is how the curse goes. So all that to say, just maybe, maybe their fans are just a little bit more extreme. But my question simply is, since there are fewer baseball-playing candidates to draw from in Japan to fill out the Japanese league. And yes, there are foreign players in Japan as well, but not as many as foreign players in the U.S. in the Major League Baseball system. So in order to fill out starting pitchers, you only need four or five or six per team, whereas for position players, you need eight starters and backups for all of those positions. So maybe for some reason it's just that there's more depth of talent in the starting, in in the pitching game in Japan. I'm just taking a, a totally, totally wild guess here that if they're if they're 
really getting mad and and tossing him into their minor league system over a 4.12 ERA and a 4.01 ERA, then maybe they have intensely high expectations for their starting pitching. It could just be that they had really high expectations because he was a number one draft pick and he was so highly touted and he was even seen to be a greater potential baseball player than Shohei Otani, and we know how he ended up. So maybe maybe that's it, but just speculation on my part. There's another interesting thing to note which affects Japanese pitchers coming to MLB and trying to pitch here, and I think that it might make it harder to pitch, but I simply don't know. I don't know how people adjust to it. I don't know if it factors into the ERA differences that we see and the supremacy maybe in pitching in the Japanese Baseball League either. Uh, But the fact is that the Japanese baseballs that they use are very different than than the American baseballs used in MLB. Essentially, what I could find is that Japanese baseballs are smaller and lighter and grippier. And they also are, in American baseballs are rubbed with dirt to help increase the grip, basically and Japanese baseballs are rubbed with sand. So there could be a thing where with the slightly lighter, and we're talking 7 grams, 148.8 grams versus 141.7. So 7 grams on that sort of a scale is maybe a 5% change, I think, just off the top of my head. And... Maybe that slider weight helps to reduce injuries in throwing arms, at least for pitchers trying to pitch at maximum speed and and maximum uh, maximum spin. And the smaller size, so heavier baseballs should, as I understand it, go further when hit off the bat. But the smaller diameter of about half a centimeter should help to make the ball more aerodynamic as well. A, you know, a smaller, more dense object is going to fly further than a larger, less dense object. So I don't know how that all is going to affect how it comes off the bat, and maybe maybe the lighter baseball is enough to make hitting home runs more difficult compared to the heavier baseball, despite the smaller size of the Japanese baseball. But the big thing that I'm thinking here is the grip, although the size also plays a big factor in the grip as well, because it's obviously going to be easier to hold and grip and manipulate your fingers around on a smaller baseball in order to get more spin 
and a more consistent, better-gripped release as well. And spin is even important for fastballs, where you want the spin to be straight backwards at you from the top of the baseball, so it's got essentially backspin on a fastball, which sort of lifts the ball up, and it doesn't actually make it go upwards, but it just sort of prevents it from dropping down at the same rate as it would. So more spin is even better for fastballs as well. And that smaller diameter combined with a grippier surface, from what I could find, also combined with being roughed up by sand. I'm thinking that when they're rubbing the sand on it instead of rubbing clay, like an MLB baseball, the sand is is going to basically be like rubbing some sandpaper on the ball, which is not allowed in MLB, Rub, like rubbing sandpaper or anything like that. It's It's highly illegal, according to the rules. And pitchers used to intentionally and secretly scuff the ball with like a little nail file or a little patch of sandpaper when they're pitching so that that little scuff would create more friction in the air and cause it to basically curve more in relation to its spin. So if you put the same spin on it with a little bit of scuffing on it, then when you throw it, it's going, if you throw a curveball, say it's going to dive down way steeper than what you would think, given the amount of, of spin that you put on it. It's maybe a little bit complex. You don't really need to know any of this, but I'm just thinking that having that better grip and rubbing something with sandpaper and making it rough will, yes, give you a better grip on the ball, especially combined with a grippier, maybe stickier, from what I've heard, a little bit of a tacky surface on the Japanese baseball. All of this combines to basically make me think that there's a big difference in these two baseballs, a big difference, and potentially making it very difficult for a Japanese baseball player who's played in the Japanese league for a long time to come over and have the exact same success with his pitches, not necessarily against a batter, but just have them do what he wants and throw with the same speed and the same spin. And all of that is to say that... It's not that he cannot be as successful. It's not that he cannot be successful in general. He can be, and I hope that he will be. It's just about him, and can he make these adjustments. And, you know, the size of the ball shouldn't be, I'm hoping, that big of a difference, that big of a deal, because he's six foot six, and my guess is he does not have... A small hand. I don't think that the ball is going to be something that he can't get a good grip on. And the Major League Baseball is also, I believe, has slightly higher of seams, which maybe will counteract, will, will act as more of 
a spin producer to make it sort of spin the same as a scuffed up baseball that they would maybe use in Japan. I don't know. There's there's a lot of speculation here because <laughs> I am not Japanese and I'm just not that familiar with their league and with the expectations of players in Japan and, and what's considered a good ERA, but I'm going to consider his 3.38 ERA that he had last year in 10 starts and 16 outings in 66 innings to be really solid in in Japan, just a, as I would guess it. And I think that if he can put up a 4.0 ERA, then it's a success. If he can put up a 4.0 ERA as a starter, then he gets to be a starter. Now, I guess we should talk about what that actually means for my speculated my speculated starting pitching rotation for the A's. Who who are they now? Before I had said Cole Irvin, Paul Blackburn, Drew Rasinski, and then Kyle Muller and maybe Ken Waldachuk up until James Caprellian comes back and then he bumps one of those guys, probably Ken Waldachuk, down to the minors. And that Waldachuk and Muller would also be jumping up and down periodically to give some of the other guys a chance. And I didn't really see a lot of starting opportunities for Adrian Martinez, Adam Aller, or AJ Puck. So how does this impact that? I'm going to say that it basically, on opening day, bumps Ken Waldachuk off of the active roster. I think that Waldachuk is going to be starting in AAA, and that it's going to be Irvin, Blackburn, Rasinski, and Shintaro Fujinami, along with Kyle Muller, because he has fewer minor league options available, which is where you can send him back down to the minor league. If a player runs out of options, you can't put him on your minor league team. You have to DFA them, which basically gives them gives other teams the opportunity to just take them away from us for free. So we're not going to be doing that with any of these guys that I'm mentioning here, because if we're not going to use them, then we're going to trade them away and get something for them. And that's that. And then... That would mean that if James Caprellian is coming back, which I think he would be, just a, a, as a guess, I, if he was coming back before the trade deadline, then he would be further bumping Kyle Muller off of the starting rotation, and you would you would basically, at that point, have a fixed rotation with Irvin, Blackburn, Rasinski, Fujinami, and Caprellian. And and then everyone else would just be stuck in AAA 
and the the thing about that is there's too many everyone else's to be in AAA together as well because you've got Ken Waldachuk, Kyle Muller, J.P. Sears, Freddie Tarnock, Adrian Martinez, Adam Aller, and and others as well. I mean, I'm going to go through just the AAA team for the Oakland A's, which is the Las Vegas Aviators, and I'm just going to look at their current roster of active pitchers and how many of them are starters. You've got Joelvis Del Rosario, who is a starting pitcher with a good ERA on the Aviators. You've got Parker Dunshee, who is mostly a starting pitcher on the Aviators. You got Brady Feigl. He is only a starting pitcher on the Aviators. You got three now. You've got Dalton Jeffries, who is a starting pitcher on the Aviators, which makes four. Colin Pelus, hope, hope I'm saying that right, who is a starting pitcher on the Aviators, making five. You've got Jake Walkinshaw, who mostly is a starting pitcher, making six. And you've got Garrett Williams, who is partially a starting pitcher. He started about half of the games that he pitched in 2022, making essentially seven. And now you've got like six more guys that are all, if they're not going to be on the major league team this year on the active roster for the Oakland A's, then they're probably going to be pitching in AAA, I would imagine. Maybe one or two of them would be spending some time in double A, but that's if you're if you're putting six of these guys down to triple A, then do you have to put six guys, five guys from triple A down to double A? There's pitchers in double A right now that are there. So you can see clearly how it causes a, a big log jam and a and kind of a big issue to have 12 starting pitchers at the major league level because they can't all be at the major league level. <laughs> so you basically, I don't know what what you have to do here. I, I think, I guess, as soon as someone garners any trade interest from a specific set of them, then you trade them. If Paul Blackburn has a great first month, and has like a 2.5 ERA or something in the first month, I think you start shopping around right there. (laughs) If Rosinski has a hot start and a month into it is throwing below a 3 ERA, trade him. You probably will have some fans that get mad at, at something like that if it happens, where, you know, they they might be saying... We just signed this guy to a major league deal. I guess we're just not trying to win anymore. This this is horrible, right? But that's just not true. You've got so many guys. You gotta make some room. I don't know. Same thing for Fujinami. You, if he if he starts out really well, then trade him. Not that I don't want him on my team, 
I, I do, in fact, want him, Rasinski, and a, a lot of these guys, more more than we have the room for, which is just, that's the problem. So that's my guess and my hope that the starting rotation is going to be Irvin, Blackburn, Rasinski, Fujinami, and Muller, or maybe Waldachuk instead of Muller. Not totally positive there, but then I think Caprellian kicks one of those who that guy, whichever of those two it is, kicks him out when he comes back. Then I think that whoever has the hot start in the first month out of those four guys, you know, whoever of those of those four or five guys is garnering that trade interest, start doing it. I think after a month, do one guy. Maybe the next month, another. And it's a little tricky because you don't, I think, want to get rid of all of them because then you've got a really shaky rotation. Potentially, you don't have people anchoring it down, which is why I would say you want to keep Irvin because he seems really consistent and solid and at this point he's got some some solid MLB starting pitching experience and you know I think that your Blackburn has more potential as an impressive and top level starting pitcher after what we saw in the first half of last year and I think that that means that if he comes in starting really hot then he is trade candidate number one priority number one because I think that he might just get the most interest from other teams and then you've got Rasinski and Fujinami who I think are the next two candidates for most interesting to other teams so I think those three guys are going to be the most likely to be traded relatively quickly. And Caprellian, who knows, he's got to come back from his injury and and prove it. But I don't know. It's, you know, of all the things that could have happened here with the A's, adding more players and, and such... The one thing that I would have thought couldn't happen, and I had known, you know, I, I mentioned it on one of my episodes recently, that there's still plenty of time in this offseason to be signing new players, and the A's have been very, very active, and we could get a 2012 surprise good season out of this team. We really could, but I just have to say that of all the things that I could have imagined happening... Signing a starting pitcher was probably the least likely thing that I could have thought of. Maybe I would have seen first base, but I would kind of hope not because we just picked up Ryan Noda, and what would that mean for him? Would he get any playing time? I, I want to see him get a chance to develop. I, I want to see what he can do. Would it mean maybe maybe I I could see an outfielder signing for a free agent or something. But we also, we have plenty of outfielders. If I saw that, then I would be thinking, 
that we must be lining up a trade for Seth Brown or Loriano, or maybe Tony Kemp. The main thing that I could have imagined seeing as a free agent signing, I think, would be a relief pitcher. So to see another starting pitcher just really surprised me. Well, I think it's about time to wrap this up. I will see you on Monday. I hope you all have a great weekend. Thanks for listening, and see you next time on Athletics Baseball Podcast.